every time somebody tries to manipulate users with emergency and, and fear uh, to do something urgent that they don't understand, that's a very bad precedent. So even if covenants is good, if the technique that that's, gets used to activate it is to lie about the fact that lighting is died and uh, if you don't have COVID, this is similar to the, to the drive chain proponents strategy. It's a very dishonest strategy. It's a very counterproductive strategy. If uh, the only choice is between having uh, no covenant and so interactive second layers forever, which suck for privacy and for UX, or having covenants due to a terror campaign that will uh, uh, convince users that are, don't even know what they're discussing, that there is some emergency and they have to give a special powers to an elite of knowledgeable developers, then I prefer we stay with no covenant. So. Welcome, Good to have you on the show. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very right. glad to be here. So, I mean, obviously, th there's a kind of double Trojan horse situation going on. You know, like the, the ETF world wants to capture liquidity, I think. And then Bitcoiners are like, man, if, if the ETF people come in, the price is going to moon. So we both win and we both lose something here because they're, they're sort of like, they're kind of like, accepting con, con, they're, they're uh, capitulating to the fact that Bitcoin is pretty awesome. Uh, but the best way to actually have some Bitcoin, of course, is to buy it actually and holding it yourself in self-custody. So I don't know if there's any fellow Canadians out there, but we have a really good way for you to stack sats in Canada. Viewer Bitcoin is Canada's most user-friendly Bitcoin on-ramp. You can buy Bitcoin instantly or set up recurring purchases directly from your bank account. It's a non-custodial exchange that delivers your Bitcoin directly to your cold storage wallet. It's built by Bitcoiners, built for Bitcoiners, and it's easy enough that you can recommend to your friends and they can just automatically stack and DCA. So you can figure that out. You can sign up today at beaverbitcoin.com, DCA out and stack sats and put it in your cold storage. That's the real way to get Bitcoin instead of this whole ETA, ETF nonsense. But... Um, I mean, Giacomo, how do you how do you see the situation? Because I, I, you know, I think there's a very good argument that if you, if if we manage to install Bitcoin deep within the financial system of the United States, eventually that will sort of slowly take over like a mushroom, you know, like like a like a like a virus, right? But at the same time, they're clearly like building walls around the financial system uh, of KYC and like attack, you know, like this whole situation with Binance. To me, it's like it's a takeover of liquidity. It's like, you know, right hook to Binance, take over the liquidity, bring it on to ETFs potentially. Are we under attack, Giacomo? Are we always under attack? I mean, I think you, yeah, we are always under attack by definition, but not all the attacks are as, are as serious as all the others. So some attacks are worse. And the financialization of Bitcoin, I think, is not a very serious attack, at least in my opinion. You describe it very well as a double Trojan horse strategy. So Bitcoiners are really, some Bitcoiners are convinced they are uh, Trojan horsing the state and some others are very scared, scared that the state is trying horse in Bitcoin. I think that these two concerns are equally valid, but they basically 
roughly cancel each other, ma- making uh, uh, of the thing basically a nothing burger, globally speaking. So basically, one direction is clearly delusional because uh, the idea that you can infect the state with Bitcoin, especially the American state, in a way that it will be so uh, so much ingrained into the system, so much essential to the current system that the current system will not attack it is, I think, it is a delusional idea. Gold in the in the 20s of the 20th century was absolutely ingrained in the status quo, the monetary system, the mainstream. Everybody was thinking at gold as a principal uh, store of value and underlying representation of value for every currency, especially the United States dollar. The United States uh, were basing, of course, like anybody else, their entire financial structure, structure on Bitcoin. So there is no way you can imagine something more normalized, more legitimized, more included, more, uh, more something that even politicians have interest in, which is like gold. And yet they managed to gradually go away from gold, criminalize gold, extort gold, uh, confiscate gold. They did it not because they were, it was not normalized, but because incentives to destroy the status quo in order to keep the, the monstrous uh, federal government alive were stronger than incentives to uh, keep gold around. And, and with Bitcoin will be basically the same. So we have to think that the current spending budget for the federal government, uh, government of the United States, which is basically the biggest uh, state budget on, on the planet Earth, is uh, mostly based not on direct taxation, but on cantillon tax. So they issue debt and then they, they devalue debt by printing money. So this is the main method of funding on the federal expenses. If they have to go back to direct taxation, uh, especially in a context, and we will discuss that later, talking about dark money, especially in a context in which it's easy to also avoid taxation or minimize taxation or escape taxation to some degree, basically the, the, the government, the federal government is, is uh, looking at the uh, getting back to the, 19, the 1913 budget which is something that nobody inside D.C. will want, not even the most based uh, pro-Bitcoin Republican uh, congressman. It's, it's just something that the organism, the living organism of the United States federal government will not want. So eventually, even if Bitcoin has ETFs, uh, spot ETFs, uh, non-spot ETFs, uh, ETN, futures, non-futures, uh, regulated, unregulated, everything there is, there will be an incentive to destroy, just like they did with gold. Overnight, somebody says that there is an emergency. Maybe there is a pandemic, uh, aliens, uh, maybe terrorism, pedophiles. There is some kind of emergency that will justify overnight confiscation of Bitcoin, overnight banning of any Bitcoin activity, which is not uh, basically moving around credit that uh, may be denominated in Bitcoin, but is not a really redeemable, redeemable in Bitcoin, just like with gold. So I think that the, the idea that, yeah, politicians use it as well, so they will allow us to use it, uh, this basically uh, is, uh, is a broken theory because it's based on the fact that politicians are, A, uh, bind, bound to their own previous sentences, uh, words, uh, resolutions, or political acts, or treaties, or constitutions. That's not the case. When the incentives change, they can just 
throw in the garbage bin every single law, constitution, amendment, everything, and they are doing it continuously. So they are not bound by this, their previous commitment. So it's not like if they recognize Bitcoin now, they will keep recognizing Bitcoin later. And second, there is this idea that uh, a politician has to follow, and bureaucrats especially, the so-called deep state, they have to follow the very same rules that they pose on others. But the very essence of the modern nation state is that somebody is not following the same rule that they will impose on you. The, the idea is that uh, they have to enforce on themselves what they enforce on you, which is not the point of modern nation states. So uh, politicians in, uh, in D.C., they will criminalize alcohol during the prohibition and they will drink alcohol. Of course they do. Uh, they can. They have the guns. So they do it and you don't do it. So the fact that politicians will accumulate Bitcoin doesn't mean that you will be able as well. On the other side, also the, the second uh, horse, uh, I mean, Trojan horse theory, I think is overblown. Like, uh, yes, the state can uh, create an interest by institutional, by, by basically clueless noobs that they can invest in Bitcoin using uh, trusted third party and financial institution, and they can, and that's fine. And then they can be rug pulled. They can be confiscated. They can be frozen. They can be even inflated with fractional reserve. That doesn't really impact long term the real Bitcoin market. Uh, if uh, if uh, if the, that kind of market disappears overnight, maybe we have a strong price correction because we have an entire section of demand disappearing. That may be bad, like a strong pr uh, price crash, but it doesn't matter because it was fake demand anyway. The point of Bitcoin is not to do the same thing you can do with your bank. If you want to do the same thing that you can do with your bank, just use your bank. The whole point of Bitcoin is being impossible to regulate and also impossible to change. Uh, that's the whole point and impossible to stop, impossible to censor. And uh, when I say impossible, I obviously mean so expensive that it becomes practically impossible. So I, I don't think that uh, there is any chance uh, for us to try and horse the state. And I don't think there is a reasonable chance for the state to try and horse Bitcoin with uh, financial instruments. Somebody says, okay, but they managed to try and horse uh, gold, the physical gold. Yes, but there is a reason. Physical gold is basically unusable in its direct form. You cannot really use physical gold in the internet age. You cannot use that for e-commerce, for international transfers. People can barely usually use it uh, for uh, direct commerce because of the problem with divisibility, so people uh, had to use uh, silver. So gold is not usable directly. So you have to use it via trusted representation. And those trusted representation were super easy to, to censor, to centralize, and to, and to basically take over. With Bitcoin, it's not the same. We have Bitcoin, and we have this Bitcoin-derived, uh, Bitcoin-flavored risk that can be offered by institutions. If uh, these risks disappear, get censored, get heavily regulated, Okay, that doesn't impact, if not for some price fluctuation for the short term, uh, real Bitcoiners doing real Bitcoin stuff. So I think that they really cancel out each other. Talk, uh, talk us through the Binance situation. Uh, what is your opinion of CZ? Do you think that he was a malicious actor in the spot? Do you think that he actually helped Bitcoin adoption over the last five, seven years or so? Or was he detrimental to Bitcoin in general? And... Um, how do you see the situation playing out uh, now that the SEC and the DOJ is uh, knee-deep in Binance's business? So for me, the situation is a little bit, uh, in this case, uh, I mean, uh, complex feelings, 
it's complicated status uh, because uh, on one side, uh, I think uh, CZ is, was uh, a bad actor and uh, overall detrimental to the Bitcoin cause. Uh, he is a shitcoin scammer, and I think that all shitcoin scammers are detrimental to Bitcoin. They may participate to build some hype around Bitcoin indirectly, but mostly they take interest out of Bitcoin, they dilute the interest of Bitcoin into shitcoins. So I think that uh, shitcoin scammers, they basically dilute Bitcoin way more than they uh, gate, uh, They basically uh, present the gateway, gateway drugs uh, to Bitcoin. It's just like, I mean, somebody may read some bullshit horoscope and uh, it could actually end up studying uh, like reasonable astrophysics. That may happen, but most of the time people looking at the star will have no idea of what the stars are because they, they are basically distracted by bullshit uh, horoscopes. So uh, shitcoin scams are, uh, but I mean, of course, uh, I mean, no, uh, no, no offense to horoscope fans for the simple reason that I don't care that much for astrophysics, not so much to despise horoscope scammers. I do care for Bitcoin, so I do despise the equivalent of horoscope scammers that are shitcoiners in any form or degree. And if I have to choose inside the, 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 the shitcoiners, I think that obvious shitcoiners, like, uh, I don't know, something like uh, Carlos Matos or... Uh, uh, or something like uh, uh, John, uh, John McAfee, they are even less, they, they are less dangerous, less detrimental to Bitcoin because they clearly select a, 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 an audience which is made by clearly delusional, super greedy, absolutely clueless, reckless morons that they will try to uh, gamble with nothing. So if somebody is, uh, is, is following McAfee for the coin of the day, it's clear that they are they are beyond help, so they cannot be helped. But uh, CZ uh, uh, is part of those cat- subcategory of uh, shitcoin scammers that are the the ones that start with "I like Bitcoin, buy my shitcoin." So they they play as shitcoin uh, shitcoiners that are Bitcoin contiguous. Those are very damaging because they keep distracting people from Bitcoin, even some well-intentioned people, and they destroy a lot of. Uh, and they waste not just money eventually, but they also waste good intelligences, good time of talented people, reputation, because they're almost credible. So CZ was playing the, the part of a Bitcoiner for a while that created so much destruction of well-intentioned people and well-meaning morons that I think it's more damaging overall that somebody like John McAfee, even, even some Bankman Fried. I mean, I think it's clear that Vitalik Buterin wasted more uh, people intelligence than Sam Bankman Fried. The overall effect uh, detrimental to Bitcoin on the, or the existence of a scammer like Buterin is more detrimental than the one of a scammer like, uh, more obvious, like uh, Bankman Fried or Craig Wright. So subtile scammers are worse. In particular, CZ was also proposing, uh, was not just pr- shilling shitcoins, but also shilling uh, attacks on Bitcoin, like uh, reversing the chain in order to uh, to undo some hack or some uh, stupid ideas like that. So it was basically a net negative every time, everywhere, in any regard. The Binance Academy was teaching shitcoin idiocy all the time. 
the, 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 the Binance smart chain where many people went on Binance, tried to buy Bitcoin and to withdraw it. But they were basically telling you, oh, if you withdraw on Bitcoin, the fees are like 10 times the, the, the normal ones. And if you, the, the, if you withdraw Bitcoin in Binance chain, that is cheap. So people were ending up with some shitcoin credit instead of getting Bitcoin. So it's bad. That said, I don't think that uh, commercial fraud, uh, even uh, when, it's, uh, when it's really uh, ludicrous, like in the case of shitcoins, like in the case of CZ, I don't think it's uh, the same uh, level of crime of people coming into a place where peaceful people are trading. Maybe they're trading horoscopes. Maybe they're trading homeopathy. Maybe they're trading stuff that this guy don't believe in. Doesn't matter. This guy enters with guns and will kidnap one of them and basically violently prevent the, the commercial exchange you know, because he doesn't think that this is legit. So this is what a state prevention of shitcoin scams will look like. And I think it's, it's a way more despicable than shitcoin scammers themselves. If I have to choose, if I go around the street and I see some guru selling a magical potion against cancer, I may despise him because he is basically scamming people. But when I see some armed guy kidnapping he or his clients with violence to prevent them from making their own choice, maybe a wrong choice, we don't know. Maybe during the COVID hysteria, the Invermectin was useful uh, like for Joe Rogan, maybe not. Probably it was bullshit. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, maybe the vax was great. Maybe the vax was terrible. The problem was people enforcing the vax, or it would be the same politician banning and forbidding and criminalizing the vax. The principle, the most important principle is liberty, is freedom, is choice. So if I see a armed, uh, armed mafia henchman coming to kidnap a fucking scammer that is selling some uh, healing crystal, uh, I, I absolutely side with the, temporarily, I hope, with the fucking scammer. Because uh, the main point is people doing their choice. When we are allowed to do our choice, then we can actually start to say, to enter in the free market and say, this guy is a scammer, this is a bad choice, don't do it. Sugars are bad, uh, but uh, yeah, but you know, but I still like sugars. Okay, don't do drugs. Oh, do drugs, try psychedelics, uh, have kids. Oh, don't have kids, stay kid free. Or try this, like uh, go, uh, go uh, barefoot, or use, uh, don't use a solar, uh, solar protection, or uh, sun your balls, or whatever. Any kind of things that can be very stupid or very intelligent, but you leave people free to the side. So uh, against uh, the Federal Reserve and the SEC or the commercial CFT, CFT, I don't even know these, these acronyms, I would definitely side with scammers like CZ. Okay. And I mean, first of all, I love, we're, we're 20 minutes deep and the rant is already amazing. So everybody, please give us a like or a laugh emoji or something. And uh Pump the show, share the link, tweet it out so we can get more people in here and get more people to hear this because this is amazing. Um, now, here's my thinking. Okay, I agree with you. I think the moral argument you just made is is, is compelling. I, I have my, you know, I wrestle with the moral argument, but I think I think what's more interesting right now is what the power, what the power dynamic is because let's remember how this began, right? Uh, FTX was rising very quickly in the United States. It was taking over the market you could trade stocks in 
in FTX with crypto. You could put Bitcoin in there and buy Tesla type of thing or a Tesla uh, uh, derivatives, uh, you know, synthetic token or something like that, right? You could trade stocks. Like it was becoming a brokerage house. And it was obviously, you know, we know now completely bankrupt and, and, and fraudulent in their money management. But they paid out all the politicians, you know, and then CC realizes that there's something funky going on, dumps the, the, the FTX sort of fiat token, right? Their stable coin crashes the exchange and then liquidates, you know, basically makes FTX go bankrupt. It makes all these elites look terrible, right? Fast forward a year, year and a half, and now they're pulling down Binance and CC, right? And so it looks to me like they had like some sort of attempt. They were trying to establish a, you know, an exchange that they could control, you know, a big liquidity pool that they can control. Binance took it down. So now they're getting revenge, grabbing their, their, their pound of flesh, you know, $4 billion, right? And then now they're, now I think this sort of plays into it. So do, do you have an analysis on the power dynamics, right? Like who, you know, is this revenge? Is this payback? Is this the empire strikes back? Or is this just like, like, why? Why do they care about Binance, you know? I don't know. I mean, I don't think that the conspiracy theory, I don't say that in a negative sense, but in a descriptive sense, I don't think it's completely implausible. As you say, the CZ was a, as you said, first of all, uh, FTX was uh, close to some uh, American elites and it was very close to regulators. So people cheering for regulators now intervening in the market have to remember that Gary Gensler was a best friend with Sam, um, Sam Beckman, right? So he was basically friend with regulators. He was, uh, of course, he was a scammer, but I mean, even fiat banks are scammers. The point is how sustainable your Ponzi is. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried has a Ponzi that was not very sustainable because when it goes down, there is no armed cop that can rob other people to bail out the business. So, or I mean, they could, but they were not, they, they did not care enough to do it. So when you have uh, Goldman Sachs uh, collapsing, uh, somebody will send uh, armed guys to take over uh, actual money of American taxpayers in order to bail out uh, directly or indirectly via legal tender inflation tax. So that's the real uh, power, the power dynamic, I think. FTX is a good example compared to fiat banks because fiat banks are the kind of reckless uh, accounting wise crazy scam that cannot really ever bust with a few exceptions of the poor Lehman Brothers and stuff like that, because like there were the very few instances of free market in the history of recent America. So they uh, like uh, like Silicon Valley Bank. They they're basically the same. They may be a little bit more professional. Than, than, I mean, Sam Bankman Fried again. It was like more in your face, more an obvious camera. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank Bank is the same shit, but they may dress a little bit better. Maybe that they will split the accounting balance sheets a little bit more. They will pretend to care more, but still they are just selling air. They are selling nothing. They are basically fiat institution based on nothing. They are a giant Ponzi. The entire government of the United States social security scheme is literally a Ponzi scheme, which is way less uh, sound than, than Madoff uh, Ponzi scheme. I mean, Madoff was a Madoff scheme was way sounder than the American social uh, social security scheme. So it's the same shit. The difference that FTX, when it fails, nobody will 
yet at least, didn't happen this time around, and this is good. Nobody robbed directly American taxpayer or dollar users around the world in order to bail it out. So may, uh, as you said, CZ was big part in the fall. Maybe this is, this is a revenge, could be. I think that eventually that's the path anyway. The governments don't want to lose control. Super, power, super powerful governments hate to lose control. And the United States uh, government is losing control on everything way before Bitcoin because it's collapsing on your, its own uh, weight, just like the Soviet Union or, or the late Roman Empire. So they are collapsing. They are losing power. They are losing prestige, credibility. They don't want to. They want to keep it. So they want to keep control. They become control freak. And when something happens that, that just disrupts control, they will try to take it down. They are slow. They are discontinuous. They are internally fractioned. So when e-gold appears in 1995, they will not try to take it down immediately. They leave it work for 10 years, and then they will start to take it down with, uh, with illegal stuff and lies and, uh, and uh, a juridically absurd uh, behavior in 2005. That's 10 years. So CZ was allowed to play the competition to American-regulated, controlled stock markets for a while, but then not anymore. Uh, I mean, is, is it a revenge? Maybe the timing is suspicious, but on a long term, I think that uh, go, the, the U.S. government will go after shitcoins and will go after Bitcoin. The only difference is that Bitcoin was designed just in order to, to stand uh, this kind of event. That was the whole point of the design principles of Bitcoin. While shitcoins are designed to take advantage of uh, the initial hype of Bitcoin by centralized teams. So shitcoins, by definition, including CZ, are, are, are CZ is not a shitcoin, but is a shitcoin and he has a personal shitcoin. They are designed on the fact that there is a well-recognized, famous uh, fiat guy with a face on the website so a trusted guy that can shield and they can do marketing. That's the point of shitcoins. The gov governments can very easily shut down shitcoins because it doesn't matter all the blockchain nonsense you can, you can, you can, you, you can uh, uh, go around uh, bubbling about. The point is that it's a marketing team that keeps everything up. In this case, CZ is marketing. So it's super easy to take down and so it will be took down or co-opted inside the system. Uh, maybe FTX was close enough to the system that it didn't need um, uh, much co-opting. So the way it went down was by failing naturally or by the intervention of CZ. CZ needed some help to fail. But uh, I think that, first of all, eventually the government was coming after him anyway, even without FTX. Secondly, uh, uh, Binance was going to fail even without state intervention eventually. It's just an acceleration, but it's a shitcoin casino with a shitcoin token that is basically itself a giant Ponzi scheme based on the fact that people are buying Ponzi scheme. So, I mean, it, it's, it's the same. I think it is the, the differences, internal differences between Carlos Matos, uh, Ruga, Ruja Ignatova, the leader of uh, OneCoin, Vitaly Buterin, uh, some, uh, uh, like, there, there are very, there, there are some difference in marketing style, but it's the same shit. So what's, what's the common thread between these shitcoiner extraordinaires 
versus Bitcoiners? What is the dividing line? What can you see in them that draws them to the dark side compared to going the honest route with Bitcoin? Well, usually uh, the thing is that uh, uh, when you shit coins, you try to recreate or you, to pretend that you cre- can recreate Bitcoin, but you can't because you don't have the time to create a new organic adoption of some new digital scarcity because that's inherently contradictory. So the only shortcut is to lie. So basically, when you create a shit coin, you have this, uh, you have this uh, terrible trade-off. On one side, you redo Bitcoin exactly basically the same, uh, because the trade-offs in Bitcoin are not chosen by chance. They are chosen for a reason. There is a reason behind the trade-off chosen in choices in Bitcoin. So you recreate Bitcoin exactly, but then people will just use the original. They will not use your version, especially if you do some pre-mine or insta-mine or stuff like that. They will just use the original, the one with already established price discovery, with liquidity, with, uh, with network effects, and, and so on. So the only alternative is to t- do something radically different. But since the design choice of Bitcoin were not random, but they were mostly motivated, when you do something radically different, you have to promote some broken design choice as some better design choice. And you have to lie. And I think, I mean, everything we're discussing comes down to incentive to lie. When you start lying to people, you, you become a scammer. Uh, when you are wrong because you didn't study enough, you're not a scammer. Maybe you're just a moron. But when you start to lie and you know you lie and there is no way CZ could read many articles in the Binance Academy not knowing that they were nonsense because he's a smart guy. So he was just lying. Some people lie in a funny way like McAfee. Some people lie in a boring way like Vitalin Buterin. But I think the, the real discrimination there is... a uh, propensity to lie about uh, stuff. In particular, you can you can lie about a lot of stuff, from uh, from uh, religion gurus to uh, to to fiat uh, money maker to to uh, fake uh, I don't know to uh, vax promoters. You can you can lie many many different ways. Right. When you do lie about Bitcoin, you are a shitcoin, and that's the main discrimination. All right, and yeah, I mean, I think there's there, there'll be many shades of gray of scammery uh, going forward. I think we're definitely in the then they attack you stage. And uh, Peter thought had a good point that um, you know when they attack you, you're not supposed to just lay over or wait for the attack to end. You're supposed to like fight back and defend yourself. So I do think like I'm a fair opportunity sort of uh, activist. If you can if you can push political levers, go push them. If it's if you think it's effective or you're effective at it, go for it. Um, if you prefer to play with technology and defend yourself technologically, do that. If you want to opt out or vote with your money, by all means necessary that are actually reasonable, right? <laughs> not not a, not not political violence, but like definitely political action. And um, anyway, I think I think we definitely need to take this seriously because I think there's there's some crazy stuff going on. I don't I don't like it. I think the whole world is sort of we're entering a stage of chaos. Um, that you know, people like me will be able to navigate. I, I enjoy the chaos. I've been a creature of chaos for a long time, but there's a lot of people that are going to have a really hard time with it, and it's going to get wild. Um, however, there's stuff that we need to focus on and not get too distracted. And I think when we think about the Trojan horse, the dual Trojan horse conspiracy theory, uh, what is the Trojan horse for us? Where is the Trojan horse for us? And I think what it is is that Bitcoin is still going to pump. In the worst case scenario of like, KYC 
walls being built around the majority of the Bitcoin liquidity or the or the Bitcoin that's in markets anyway, that's sort of being used as a price signal, right? Even in that scenario, the price is going to have to pump to distract us, I think. You know, the ETF, all this stuff, the price is going to pump. But in the meanwhile, we have to keep building the kind of technology that's going to let us break through that wall in the future or it's going to let make it possible for us to sell outside of their exchanges, outside of their of their walled gardens, right? I think that's the key. We need to keep building peer-to-peer technology. We need to keep build keep building uh, scaling technology, decentralized scaling technology. So, to that end, um, there's this question of covenants that's sort of being discussed about a lot. Um, you know, a CTV, APO, all this stuff. Um, where are you at in this question of covenants? Are they actually useful? Can they help scale Lightning and do they offer us any privacy? Because we were kind of sold lighting as a privacy tool. Oh, it's audio routed. It helps all these, you know, it's it's Tor hopping, you know, like it's going to be great for privacy. Off-chain is better than on-chain. And all of that stuff is in theory true. But in practice, it seems like it's, you know, the privacy, you know, the privacy, uh, the privacy is not exactly there or is it, right? Um, and I think privacy is going to become a big problem because if you have a huge target on your back with Bitcoin, then, Suddenly, it's a lot easier to do the, one of these sort of, you know, 6109, but these sort of big confiscation attacks, right, in, in theory. So um, anyway, curious about your general thoughts on covenants and and uh, how do you look at the privacy question in Bitcoin? So covenants for me were a big surprise, a big change of mind. I have to basically eat my my head uh, changing my my heart a lot about that because when they were first proposed that I know of, it was uh, in 2016, scaling Bitcoin Milan, I was hearing Gansierer, which was a shit corner, uh, talking about covenants and uh, in the context of security vows. And uh, many people, and my first reaction was, can not you do this with a pre-signed, with a pre-signed transaction? in a multi-sig and every developer I was asking to back in 2016 was like, yes, you can. So I was like, okay, this covenant thing is not sense. Then uh, the new modern version of uh, covenants uh, CTV was proposed by Jeremy Rubin, uh, which uh, uh, already was controversial for other kind of discussion in Bitcoin. So I started with a very negative bias. And uh, the most famous application was this vaults that I continue to this day to find a non kind of nonsense or a nothing burger. So I was very much uh, uh, skeptical. And then Jeremy started a campaign that was basically let's activate these uh, with uh, with this, uh, with a uh, with a software with uh, immediate activation even if there is no consensus. And that was like for me was like clearly an attack. So this is an attack. We are talking about uh, changing the rules in a way that is not. Uh, consensual among users. Uh, most users don't even understand what you're doing. So this is an attack. So I was a strongly anti-covenant guy as a reaction. Then I started to understand better some uh, applications of covenant that were very different from these vaults, which are related to privacy, as you said, and scaling, and including the Lightning Network itself. So uh, this is not stuff that was discovered later. This was stuff that was discovered during this debate, but I didn't know about that. It was not... Uh, uh, I mean, it was also well explained by by Jeremy on his blog, but I never read his blog because I didn't like the guy. So I was completely ignorant about this other uh, other application. These other applications are, frankly, I think, very, very, very convincing. Basically, to try to simplify, 
You can do with covenants whatever you can do with uh, a pre-signed scheme, uh, pre-signed uh, scheme for multisig, but pre-signed schemes require interactivity, while covenants can do the same thing without interactivity. That seems something that is irrelevant, and I think in the context of uh, hard, uh, cold wallet security is mostly irrelevant. But in the context of scaling and privacy, uh, the, the, the relevance becomes very, very, very big. The, the, many of the, of the problems with Lightning right now, for example, uh, the fact that uh, uh, the, the, many UX challenges and privacy challenges in Lightning, Lightning is fairly private for the sender. If you send via Lightning and you don't do mistakes and you have a good setup, you are very, very, very private. But if you receive, your privacy really sucks. And if you suffer an active attack, which is different from a passive attack like chain analysis, uh, somebody starts to do some probing, routers, like routing nodes, they, they have very, very little privacy. So there, there, are more, there are many reasons for this, but many of the reasons for this asymmetry is that you have to be online to receive, you have to be online, to, you have to give the other node a network level communication system to reach you and send you uh, and exchange with you the things. Uh, and you have to route across different channels and stuff like that. So uh, non-interactivity, if you want to read out the very old post by Jeremy about uh, NIC non-interactive channels, the amount of, uh, uh, of advantages from the privacy level and the UX level, the liquidity management are impressive, I think. And uh, new ideas that I continue to consider just evolutions of Lightning, like ARC providers or, uh, or other stuff like that, There's, it's still the same idea. Instead of using the global consensus, we use a local consensus and we basically batch stuff outside of chain. So it's the same basic idea, but um, and it often is also integrated with Lightning, but they all become better without interactivity. So we can do something like ARC without any consensus change, but in order to do that, that requires a crazy amount of interaction, which will limit a lot of UX. It will also damage the privacy a lot and stuff like that. So I think that the Covenant idea is, at this point, convincing. There was also a reason we didn't like Covenant back then, me and others, because it was the idea that Covenants could be used to create, uh, uh, basically, uh, fungibility traps uh, where you, uh, uh, basically, you, block some, you lock some coin in a way that, um, that can only be spent with a KYC list. But I think in these years, uh, very convincing arguments has been made that uh, this, the very same thing can be done better interactively. So uh, censorship is better with interaction, while censorship resistance scalability is better without interaction. And since covenants uh, enable non-interactive schemes of this kind, uh, censorship will not be better, will be probably worse. So to be clear, uh, deciding now a set of uh, keys that you can send you, send you Bitcoin later and put it in a covenant is way less effective than just uh, uh, basically deciding like a dynamic list that you will operate with uh, using a multi-sig. It's, it's, it's easier to do with a multi-sig. So many of the fears about covenant, I think they are dispelled. I think that right now there are only two problems to, to have covenants. The first one is, decide, is to decide which one. 
because it's not 2019 anymore. There are many other proposals, uh, like check signature from stack, uh, cat, uh, TX, ash, TX. Uh, there is the interaction with any provide. What is the difference? What are the advantages? Any provide is not an, uh, is not a, an opcode. Any provide is a check sig modifier. So which is better, which is worse? And these, uh, I think that these many CTV proposers, many check template verified proposers, they feel tired because they, they were discussing this stuff in 2019. And now they are like, oh, we cannot discuss again. Uh, just activate ours and don't. But everybody else who is on board to Covenant right now and was not back then, they want to really see uh, again, rediscuss all the possible differences, all the possible trade-offs. And some people are answering, oh, just, just do the, all, them all. But that's not, that's not the way we go because uh, Bitcoin script is not a, a game to play. It's something serious that can create security problems. And one uh, mistake now could create some unforeseeable consequences in the future. So I think that rather is, now there is a justified tendency to rediscuss the possible option. This can go for a lot of time. And then there's also the other problem that is uh, some, not all, not all, but some of the proponents of covenants are using the typical shitcoiner, big blocker technique, which is uh, Bitcoin is over, sky, sky falling, lightning is dead. Uh, either you activate my pet project now or Bitcoin is over forever. There is urgency. Do it immediately because we are going to crash against the wall. Typical Roger Ver uh, techniques. And these techniques can be abused to uh, panic people into doing any kind of, uh, of shit on Bitcoin. Uh, there are the typical, we were discussing those before, like those are the emergencies, like, oh, there is COVID, oh, there is terrorism, there are pedophiles, there are, there are, the, there are immigrants, there are Muslims. Uh, we have to do an emergency thing. We have to do the Patriot Act. We have to do the COVID laws. So the similar thing in Bitcoin, every time somebody tries to manipulate users, with emergency and, and fear uh, to do something urgent that they don't understand, that's a very bad precedent. So even if covenants is good, if the technique that that's, gets used to activate it is to lie about the fact that lighting is died and if you don't have COVID, this is similar to the, to the drive chain proponents strategy. It's a very dishonest strategy. It's a very counterproductive strategy. If uh, the only choice is between having uh, no covenant, and so interactive second layers forever, which suck for privacy and for UX, or having covenants due to a terror campaign that will uh, convince users that are, don't even know what they're discussing, that there is some emergency and they have to give uh, special powers to an elite of knowledgeable developers, then I prefer we stay with no covenant. So I hope that, uh, people, that people that really want covenant to happen, like, like me, realize that the only way forward for, for a fork in Bitcoin is to be calm, rational, honest, to explain the advantages again and again and again, to uh, accept when there is something better coming in, to merge proposal, to concede that some other proposal is better. When Taproot was activated, uh, Taproot includes also must Merkleized, um, Merkleized uh, abstract syntax trees. Must were, were, promoted, were proposed by, by at least two Bitcoin developers radically different ways. And everybody of them, every one of them was a little bit pissed that their proposal did not pass. But still, eventually, everybody went, around, went about with, uh, with uh, must included inside Tupper. So the same thing, I think, uh, has to happen here. 
even if somebody is very in love with their own covenant proposal, they have to get along and they have to be patient and explain again, again, and discuss and compare. Uh, maybe it will turn out that uh, even if covenants are very powerful as of course, uh, the, uh, the um, check sig modifiers like an improvout may be better for some reason, like the recent, uh, the recent attacks discovered on the Lightning Network uh, um, contract uh, kind, uh, so basically the cycling attacks. They are a very general class of attacks, and it, it, may, it, may, be, it, it may be made better by uh, something like any provout and worst by something like uh, CTV. So there is a lot of stuff to discuss, but the, the main point is uh, in doubt, status quo win. So unless the people are able to convince us users that something is uncontroversially better, and I think covenants are uh, just advantages, no serious disadvantages, but unless everybody's convinced, status quo will win, and that's the right way for Bitcoin. Yeah, I think um, I think you touched on a, a lot of really interesting and important points. I mean, uh, one of them is whole, this whole lightning attack, you know. I, I definitely want to get into some of those details, and we have uh, Luke Jr. Um, on the stage, which is awesome, so I want to get his thoughts on on a question here as well, but I think um, the, the, there's a meta question here that that's important, which is how do you upgrade Bitcoin? And we, we've talked before about how um, it's great that Bitcoin doesn't have a direct upgrade path. It doesn't have an actually specified uh, governance protocol of sorts, right? It's a kind of anarchic chaos, right? It's four different Spider-Mans pointing guns at each other type of thing, you know, like, and so... So that's good because it, there's no clear attack vector, right? Like every go, every governance path is uh, is also an attack vector to take power, right? And so that's good. But on the other hand, um, I think there's a good case that there's certain technologies that we would that we that we could that we would all benefit from if Bitcoin had them in. There's there's sort of upgrades that we could do to Bitcoin. So you know, uh, speedy trial was very controversial. It brought in Taproot. Taproot has had some benefits, but it also brought gave us ordinals. You know, so um, where are you today in terms, of, of, in terms of how to upgrade or how to include a soft fork, Giacomo? And then, um, actually, if you want to start off, Luke, uh, give us your thoughts, and then maybe Giacomo can can follow up. Yeah, sorry, I did, didn't want to butt in, but just to butt in a little bit here, speedy trial was not responsible for Taproot. That's a common myth. If Speedy Trial had succeeded, it would have indicated that basically developers had taken over Bitcoin because the community went forward with BIP8 and not Speedy Trial. Okay. Yeah, I, I must just not, not have the... Not, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, Giacomo, your thoughts on that? I agree with Luke, and I will also add, uh, but as a quick uh, a quick clarification, that the Taproot is not really responsible for ordinals. Uh, ordinal spamming were, was possible uh, we, yeah, to this degree after Segwit uh, witness discount. The only difference is mempool policies, but that was easy to circumvent, for example, uh, sending spam directly to a mining pool, just like uh, ordinal spammers did for the first uh, big block. So uh, Taproot is not really the culprit for uh, for uh, the easiness of so for the size of the spam attack that we are witnesses today. I think uh, Segwit discount in a way is more like that. But even in this case, uh, I, I will get back to your initial question. I think that the, the main point is that Bitcoin is not one single thing, it's many things. When you are changing the UX of a, of a wallet, 
you are upgrading Bitcoin. You are making Bitcoin better. When you are changing the code that uh, that tests some validity rules, but the code becomes more efficient, but the rules are still the same, you are upgrading Bitcoin. So some rules and some protocols can evolve and upgrade and get better even without the basic rules changing. For example, an example that, that I constantly use, and I think it's, and I think Luke will disagree here. And I'm, I mean, I will, uh, I will basically uh, uh, um, name and, uh, and listen because Luke is, of course, more knowledgeable. But I, I'm very convinced that the fact that the internet today is used for everything, including this conversation, and is based on a base protocol called Internet Protocol version 4 mostly, which was basically finalized in the early 80s and was never changed again. That allowed people to build on top with, with sound foundation without getting rug pulled with rules changing every time, political discussions about how to change. Basically, nothing in, in the base internet layer changed after the 80s. On top, you, you had the TCP that changed quite, quite a lot, but, but not so much. And then you had HTTP that changed a lot. And when you go up, it's not, clearly, it's not a clear-cut definition, of course. What even is a layer is, uh, is debatable. But the main idea is that some things can stay in the same and other things can change. For example, in Bitcoin, UX will change a lot. Uh, optimization of code, validating the same rules will change a lot. The rules for second layers like uh, uh, HTLC routing for Lightning or uh, Driapun construction of channels will change a lot dramatically with or without covenants. We will change anyway. And uh, even rules, if there is a bug, uh, in uh, in block number overflow or time uh, or timestamp overflow, that bug will be fixed, and that will not be a controversial co a consensus change because one version of the code without the bug fixing will just basically die, and the other will continue. So it will be an obvious uncontroversial change. So this stuff can still happen, including rewriting, continuous rewriting of the code without having to subfork uh, anymore, possibly in the future. So I think that the, it's true that there are risks in changing and risk in not changing. But I think it's not symmetrical because the amount of damage that you, you can do in Bitcoin by not changing it is uh, bounded anyway by, by the current set of Bitcoin. While the amount of, of, uh, of damage you can do by changing Bitcoin is unbounded. You can do whatever if you change Bitcoin. Which part was I supposed to disagree with? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes we debate about this ossification thing, and you say that internet may not be the best example for for Bitcoin because, of course, there are differences between. So, internet protocol didn't didn't change much. Bitcoin is not exactly the same. Like there is not a written specification. Uh, there may be difference for for many reasons. And sometimes I I I, I if I remember correctly, sometimes you are way more uh, anti-ossification than me. Yeah. Um, that's because Bitcoin has so much further to go. And if we stop improving, someone else will improve further. And the, the, uh, market effect can only take it so far. You know, if something is way better, people are going to switch. Mm -hmm. Competition effect, but that could also have happened to with, uh, the main internet competitor, like the protocol wars, uh, that, uh, that, that happened until the early nineties 
were won by TCP IP stack without IP version 4 changing dramatically. So what you say is true, but uh, eventually, if you don't change Bitcoin for thousands of years, there is a a certain point in in which that has to happen. But I think we may be overestimating that if we are scared of some recent shitcoin, because, I mean, uh, again, the example is something that could last for decades. To take your analogy, IPv6 is finally starting to overtake IPv4 in practice, even. Yeah, true. Uh, even in the case, if we if we compare that with Bitcoin, we may have a new and a new layer technology, layer one technology that undertake Bitcoin current architecture without recreating the assets. So when IPv6 overtake IPv4, it's not like the .dot com uh, property will be reassigned, right? Right, and another thing to keep in consideration with this analogy is that IP is not the base layer. There are layers above IP, and those have changed quite a bit since the 80s. Yes, yes, correct. Absolutely. Everything above changed a lot, and even below, something changed. The internet is an interesting analogy, especially in the in the question of privacy, because, um, I mean, again, I'm not an expert in this area, but, you know, obviously, I think the world is pretty, pretty uh, absent of privacy in the digital world. It seems like everything is tracked, everything is surveilled. You have to be like a Satoshi Nakamoto samurai to get away with any kind of real anonymous action. You have to be very tactical. You have to be, you know, incredibly, uh, you know, disciplined, right? Uh, Even Snowden sort of, you know, praises Satoshi for his discipline, you know, because it's amazing that we don't know who he is today. Um, And so it's very difficult to be anonymous and it's very difficult to remain private for a long time. Um, And that's to some degree, you know, because of the way the Internet's built. Now, maybe the information just wants to be free. And I think privacy is kind of a fundamentally difficult thing in in information systems. But like, could Bitcoin suffer the same fate? Could Bitcoin become incredibly transparent for 20, 30 years? And then one day we have this breakthrough and then IPv6 of Bitcoin takes over and maybe we have better privacy or like, can we actually can we actually make any fundamental changes to Bitcoin or or fix Bitcoin's privacy in a way without breaking its fundamentals. Does that make sense? Like, because, you know, it's concerning, right? I think, I think um, you know, the stuff that they're trying to do in the EU, uh, trying to impose the travel rule everywhere, you know, I think we are kind of being, it's kind of like an open air prison yeah, of sorts to use that uh, very, um, you know, charged uh, analogy. Who goes? Me or Luke? Um, okay. If you want to take it, well, or maybe Luke. Go ahead, Luke. I mean, Bitcoin has upgrade paths for these kind of major changes. We haven't even done extension block yet, but that's the most obvious one. It's not like we can't upgrade. Well, I agree. And also, there is a lot of stuff that, as I was saying, can be changed at the upper layers without changing the actual... Uh, they are actual uh, consensus layer. Consider that, for example, the, one of the reasons chain analysis abuse is even possible is because most big users reuse addresses. So this is not a change. Uh, this is not actually a matter of changing Bitcoin. Bitcoin as is uh, was clearly specified in a way that you uh, should not reuse the address. That was the whole point of the specification. But many wallets in, a, in an era in which privacy was not a concern, in which we didn't have the attackers, many wallets and exchanges created the lazy technology that reused the, the address. 
And now many of these uh, Orwellian proposals are leveraging. Uh, I, oh, this includes uh, Bitcoin wallets, but also shit coins that were created with uh, uh, unchanging account addresses that are super easy to cluster together. So now many uh, regulations are basically leveraging the fact that bad wallets were created with bad practices, like not, not generating new addresses. Or there are other things like for a while, uh, before people started to be concerned about, uh, about privacy, lightning wallets and lightning notes were just sharing the, uh, the publicly for public channels, for the, for a declared channel. They were sharing the IP address of the, uh, of the uh, owner of the node, uh, connected to the name of his lightning node without even really alerting the user about the need of a VPN or anything. So, there, there were bad practices, a lot of bad practices, or again, the fact that many people are... Uh, so without changing anything in Bitcoin, you could easily create a payment protocol that will make so that I will pay you in three different chunks, in three different transactions, and I will uh, add a new input and a new output, or we will reduce the inputs and the outputs because creating new fake inputs and fake outputs is a problem because it's more expensive. But what if we reduce the amount so we can do a pay join? If we don't do a pay join, we can do, uh, for example, you can use the, the, uh, the change heuristic to de-anonymize people or to try to de-anonymize people. Yeah, but what if I send you money without ever generating a change? So every time I have to send you some Bitcoin, I, instead of sending you Bitcoin on chain, even if it's too, uh, too big of an amount to send it on Lightning, I will just create with you on the fly Lightning channel, splicing in the right amount without splitting my UTXO. So I have a UTXO of five, I have to pay you three. Instead of splitting and creating a change, I will just create a channel of five, splicing in three for, uh, for you and, and two for me. And that doesn't even change the security initially because if, we, uh, if you're splicing initially, you don't even need a watchtower or whatever. So uh, the idea is that we can do a lot of things even at the interface layer, even at the protocol, like communication protocol layer, at the uh, address uh, payment protocol layer, at the change management layer. There are so many things to do for privacy without necessarily changing the fundamental rules of Bitcoin. That, of course, you, we can change the rules, but it's not like the, 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 the dilemma is not between changing or not changing. It is uh, between changing what? So there are so many things that are wrong in a modern wallet. There is no good wallet yet that will allow you to do all the best privacy, privacy things together. Uh, there are something, some things that are very good in joint market, but you, can, you cannot do basic other things in joint market, including lightning. There are some very good lightning nodes, but you cannot do trivial uh, pay join. So there are so many things that are possible, but not yet done, that I think is uh, uh, it's sometimes a distraction to only uh, think about uh, uh, pro, um, rule level, like um, Bitcoin monetary rule level changes. For uh, even because, I mean, lightning doesn't work. Uh, somebody says, "Okay, let's fix it." If we if we switch from lightning to something else, this something else will not work initially. It will need a lot of improvement, a lot of work, a lot of uh, trial and error, a lot of change. So instead of fixing something which is theoretically promising but doesn't work yet as intended for privacy, we create 100 new pet projects that have to start from scratch and that are sold like a, a panacea. They are sold like a silver bullet, but then they are, of course, not silver bullets. They will have a lot of trade-offs to take care of in the future. So 
fixing what exists is better than creating completely new stuff most of the time. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think um, you know, one of the big takeaways for me from this conversation is the idea that this, this, this uh, narrative of if we don't fix it now, if we don't change it now, if we don't do something now, then Bitcoin is doomed, everything is going to go to hell, we're going to end up eating bugs in, in, in some sort of dystopian sort of neo-communist box, right? Like that, that, that kind of narrative is an attack it's in itself, despite despite whatever it is that they're trying to sell you as the solution, right? Even if the solution is good, if that fear tactic is used to sell it, then that's like a pressure sales tactic and pressure sales are a wee bit scammy, right? And so I guess I, 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 I'm taking that one to heart. I think that's a good point. I'm, 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 I'm uh, inputting that into my, uh, my psychological immune system. And I think, um, you know, I do think also we have a lot of tools. I think you pointed out a lot of different tools that we have that are just kind of, you know, they just need to be aggregated. And I think that, that the market is really trying to solve this privacy problem. I think the the bull Bitcoin wallet that that uh, Francis just put out has some very interesting coin control and privacy features. And I'm sure he will push that further, especially when he input, when he implements lighting and stuff. Um, I know you have to go. So. Two quick questions uh, to close up this topic. First of all, what do you see as um, as in, as a kind of as as the the path for any kind of soft fork? If there is a soft fork to come in the future, is there anything being discussed in the development channels or 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 you know that that says okay, maybe this is the way we could try a new covenant fork? Uh, what is the new process and? Uh, Maybe if you can finish up with some best practices for people that are not too technical for privacy, you know, maybe some wallets that you recommend to people that are not too technical. So for the forks, as you said, it's better if there is not a clear cut, uh, uh, well-defined procedure, because that would be an attack surface for uh, for disruptors. So it's better. We don't know how to how to make it happen. But my suggestion is uh, is basically what I said before. First, don't use dishonest tactics to promote the idea. That will just be counterproductive, and it's good that that's counterproductive. So if you come in to promote covenants, explaining why that makes Bitcoin better, people will will understand. I I did understand eventually, and I didn't understand before. Uh, if you come in like Roger Ver style. People will just react, uh, react, uh, uh, closing in, which is good, which is basically it's a good default. It's a good uh, default mode for uh, users that understand what's going on. So don't trigger that reaction. If you are honest, uh, honestly explain the covenant proposal. Second is when there are too many proposals, like, well, like I said before, there are three must proposals. They all have some... Uh, some some pro and some con, and then uh, Maxwell comes around with uh, Tapper, which is basically the uh, a, a very good rational uh, overview and decision that will maximize many of the benefits of the other proposal. And then you have a clear winner, and that will get uh, consensus. Uh, probably covenants and and sigash modification. They need something like that. Maybe 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 we will have still some years of discussion, and then people will discuss delegation and graft root that nobody is discussing anymore because Gregory Maxwell stopped discussing it, and nobody and nobody else understood it properly. So nobody is discussing graft root and delegation. Maybe delegation discussion with graft root will merge with covenant proposals, or maybe uh, any prevout uh, sigash modification will merge with uh, signature aggregation cross input because it's still a signature thing i don't know i'm just 
I'm just inventing at this point. And maybe from all this comparison and discussion, some clear winner in terms of clear design, neat design, just like Tapro, general enough uh, to, to put many benefits together will emerge. And then we will just find uh, most of the uh, ta most talented uh, uh, and knowledgeable developers agreeing that some design is superior. And then it will be the, the that will be basically the, 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 the trigger to finally have a software. We don't have to have it immediately. Uh, I'm, I'm in a zone right now. I was celebrating in this exact place. I was celebrating Taproot activation uh, two years ago. It was not the, the 30 years ago. It was just two years. So we have time. There, there is no rush. And as Luke said, there are also many possible changes that are obvious and are uncontroversial. And the, for the fact that they are not new, are considered, they are considered less sexy. But that's, that's, I mean, novelty effects should not distract us so much. Uh, there are many things that are obvious that are not in the news because we know since a very, very long time they are, they are good ideas. So uh, I think that the point is just don't push it. Bitcoin is the non-Newtonian non fluid. If you try to punch it, it will resist. If you just gently put your finger there, you may find space to do the things that uh, need to be done because users will appreciate it eventually. Uh, as for suggestion, that's a super big topic. I cannot really manage that in a few minutes. But I would say, uh, first of all, don't reuse your address. People are still doing something like reusing addresses. Don't do that. Second, uh, just do some basic coin control. So uh, clustering is the most obvious technique. So when you are sending to somebody, try to do some, there are some wallets that will help you to do cluster, uh, to do coin control properly. Uh, some, some of them hiding some stuff from you like Wasabi and still helping you. Some of them by showing you more stuff. So take care of some coin control. Uh, and uh, and well, when you use Lightning, so I would say a good suggestion is when you spend, use Lightning, uh, with, of course, with your keys, with your nodes, that's usually way more private than not using it. When you receive, though, that's a little bit different. You should know what you're doing because Lightning privacy for receivers is still pretty bad. But for senders, it's super good. Uh, just use it. Prefer it over on-chain. And, uh, yeah, I think, well, I mean, the most obvious thing. Don't do KYC, don't associate your legal identity with sensitive information to some on-chain addresses, to, to, some on, uh, to some public keys, to some scripts. Don't, uh, so chain analysis is a way to associate different uh, public uh, information on the chain, and then you, you associate one of these public associations with, with one person in a credible way, and then this association will creep in and infect all the others. So uh, it, together we try not to create this association on chain. Also try to not create too many entry points. So don't use KYC systems. Don't, don't I mean, it's possible. Use peer-to-peer -peer exchanges, use cash, use your friends. Don't leave all your sensitive private information on a central website that will have to leak it to many, many agencies and probably also some uh, irregular sales on the deep web. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much, Giacomo. If you want to, if you have more time to stick around, please do. Or um, is this a hard line for you now? I think I have to run. Uh, yeah. Okay. No worries. Hey, listen, I, I really appreciate your time. Would love to have you on again anytime. And I do think that the privacy conversation, um, it, it merits a full hour to just really lay out and, and 
and uh you know pulled all the threads you know so hopefully we can do that with you soon um and we have a, a few other guests that we're going to start really uh, addressing this topic uh going forward so looking forward to that and uh anyway enjoy enjoy your sunday um Thank yeah you. We'll, Thank get, you. we'll get, some, soon. get catch some waves <laughs> <laughs> i will bye bye take care yeah come on um Luke, how are you doing? It's great to have you on 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 the stage, man. How much time do you have? Do you, can you stick around for a few minutes? Yeah, I guess. Um. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, listen, I, I I I'm curious where you are at on this whole covenants thing. I know it's kind of like we just beat that that topic up a bit, but how do you look at this topic? Are they useful? Can they help us? Because I think let me tell you one thing that I find them really interesting for. I think. The idea that you can uh, limit um, spending of of Bitcoin from, let's say, you have a multi-sig, some sort of multi-sig, uh, some sort of custodian, perhaps. Let's say, let's say a Fediment uh, bank of sorts, right? The idea that you could impose on it some sort of on-chain limitations where it can't move all the coins at once; it has to move maximum ten percent a month or something, right? Then I, that, that kind of controls the, the rug pull risk of something like Fediments, but it also gives you all the benefits of Fediments, right? Which is better privacy, better scaling, right? And so to me, that makes Covenants very, very interesting. It also makes it more, like it does improve uh, self-custody. Uh, it seems to improve self-custody a lot. You know, it takes uh, multi-sig stuff to the next level. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Covenants in general? And uh, maybe some specific thoughts on 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 any if you favor them at all. Well, it seems like all the negative effects of covenants are already possible today, so that leaves only the positive effects. So we might as well go forward with it. Um, I th- would disagree with Giacomo when it comes to like CTV. It seems like it's very non-controversial. Even if there might be a way to do something better, there's nothing that says we can't do CTV in that improve on it with another software later. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, someone should just do a UASF with that. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah, that, that's what I'm hearing from a lot of people, that CTV is like, it's such minimalist and, you know, design. And like it, it seems like a lot of people have looked uh, deep into it that, um, yeah, you know. I mean, it's probably not perfect, but it doesn't have to be. We can take baby steps. All right, you guys heard it here first. Uh, Luke Jr. likes CTV. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, that's great. And uh, do you have any thoughts on APO, which is uh, what some of the one of the some of the active core? Well, not active. Some of the most let's say um, active Bitcoin core developers seem to be favoring right APO. It favors more like Lightning stuff. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I don't have any reason to object to it. Um... I don't know if it's quite the same level as CTV as far as consensus, but I don't know that I've heard any objections to it that were reasonable. Okay. Okay. Cool. And, and what what occupies your mind today? What are you concerned about in terms of Bitcoin? Because you know we talked about a lot of different potential attacks, this and that, a lot of conspiracy theories. But you know, from your perspective, what is actually what you know, the most important thing Bitcoiners should be kind of looking into and trying to to fix or improve. With regard to something in specific or? 
Well, just Bitcoin, right? Like, like, is there some? Is there a threat that you think is particularly, you know, outsized that people are not aware of, or an opportunity that you think is very, very, you know, clear that people are not taking advantage of? Well, the most obvious one is just the fact that we've got so few people using their own phone now. That's been the biggest problem for years now. Okay. Yeah, you you have. Um, I don't know if you still have the website, that website running where you could see how many people are running full nodes. Do you, do you have some, some fresh numbers for us on, on that? Yeah, let me pull it up. I do know it has gone up in the recent months, um, but still woefully low. <laughs> sure. I mean, I remember at some point it hit like 80,000, then it kind of fell down to like 40,000, I think. Um, yeah. And recently uh, it's gotten to maybe 61,000 or so. But back in um, back in 2018, it reached 200,000 or so. Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, are, are you aware of are Are you aware of uh, the Zeus wallet? Zeus Lightning no. wallet. Yeah, no, that one. I don't I haven't really followed Lightning wallets lately. <laughs> gotcha. Um. Yeah, the reason I bring it up is because they they're kind of a they're a mobile Lightning wallet that seems to be they kind of advertise themselves as a full node Lightning wallet for mobile, but yeah, I, I doubt they have half a terabyte worth of you know block data on on the phone. So, well, you anyway. don't have to store it; just have to download and process it. Right. Right. Cool. Awesome. Well, yeah. Did you did you get any any fresh numbers for us? Where where are we at right now? Yeah, that was the sixty thousand we're up to. We're at sixty thousand. Okay, cool. Yeah, a little higher, but I'm rounding. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you heard him. You heard uh, Luke, guys. Uh, run more nodes. Let's do this. <laughs> well, have one it doesn't make sense for one person to run more than one or two nodes themselves. It's, what matters is that it's people using Bitcoin as a currency are using a node of their own. Awesome. Okay. Well, I think that's that's pretty solid. Um, any, any final thoughts? I think, uh, we've kind of really, that was a pretty good run and it was about an hour and 20 <laughs> minutes and uh, we hit some big topics. Uh, I definitely got some, some good lessons from that. Um, yeah. I mean, is there anything else you want to, you want to talk about Luke? Um, kind of, but I'm saving it all for Tuesday. <laughs> you say what, what's happening on Tuesday? In the uh, future of Bitcoin mining conference. Okay, okay, okay. Future of Bitcoin mining. Okay, well, I guess I'll we'll be paying attention to that. Um, I didn't, I didn't even know it was happening, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow <laughs> you on that. And uh, yeah. okay, I guess you're gonna, you're gonna drop some, drop the mic on that one. You're gonna drop some, some info. Yeah, I guess they've disclosed that I'm making an announcement, but that's right. Yeah, I heard you were I'll working have on to a keep project. The details a little secret. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, great. So looking forward to that on Tuesday and maybe we can have you on some, some other time and, and, and you can, you know, sit down with us for an hour and, and tell us about what, uh, what you're working on. Sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I, this has been a great show. Um, again, if there's any fellow Canadians out there, um, there's some pretty good ways to stack satits up there. And uh, one of the ones that we like right now is Beaver Bitcoin. Beaver Bitcoin is Canada's most user-friendly Bitcoin on-ramp. 
You can buy Bitcoin instantly, set up recurring purchases so you can dollar cost average in directly from your bank account. And it'll automatically send to your non-custodial wallet directly to, you know, what a cold car or whatever you're storing your coins. Uh, it's built for Bitcoin by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. And it's easy enough that your friends and family can use it. And if you're in Canada, I got to tell you, man, you you, you want to get your friends and family on Bitcoin because things are pretty sketch up there. So um, sign up today at uh, beaverbitcoin.com. And uh, yeah, if you want to if you want to listen to this podcast, this conversation again or share it. You can share the link, but we're also going to download it and uh, edit it and republish it. So you can get that at huangout.com. It'll be a little bit more concise, a little more polished. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all at huangout.com. You can look up uh, Huangout podcast on, on most podcasting apps and it should show up. So appreciate that. Check out Bitcoin News. Sign up for some uh, some Bitcoin News. And uh, Rob, how was that conversation? Uh, uh, any Any thoughts on it? I mean, we got Giacomo, we got Luke Dasher up here. I mean, things are pretty uh, pretty high level when you can get these kind of voices up on the Bitcoin stage. Talk about what's going on on the, the latest developments of it all, of Covenants especially. Yeah, we're leveling up, man. <laughs> yes, we are. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in on this Friday evening. We'll be back next week on Friday with another show of the Juan Galt Show. Of course, I appreciate you all listening in. And um, yeah, check out BitcoinNews.com for your latest information on Bitcoin. And uh, be sure to follow to keep up with the latest updates. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody. See you on the next one. <laughs>